Welcome to Fair Folk. I'm Danica Boyce. Fair Folk is a radio show and podcast exploring folk culture and music from around the world. The show is hosted by Smithers Community Radio, CICK 93.9 FM, and you can find it at smithersradio.com and as a podcast on iTunes. Her Himnasmither, meaning Hear Me, Smith of the Heavens. This is a beloved Icelandic hymn written in the year 1207 by Kolbein Tumason, shortly before his death. The tune was written over 700 years later by Thorkel Sigurbjörnsson, and this was performed by Annika van Giersbergen and Arstrider. Odds are you haven't heard Icelandic folk music before. The reasons for this are many. First of all, Iceland, with its population of just over 300,000, is the most sparsely populated nation in Europe. It's also an island which, despite the modern conveniences of travel, has tended to keep the small country isolated from other cultures. This isolation has been a strong shaping force in Iceland's history. The country was only settled in the 9th century by people from Norway and the British Isles, and though its political structure changed many times since settlement, its musical and folk culture was slow to change due to its lack of exposure and often outright resistance to foreign influence. Icelandic government enforces strict language laws to limit loanwords from other cultures, and a language has changed very little since the Middle Ages, so much so that it could be called the dialect of Old Norse, the medieval Scandinavian language. Icelandic literature has also been somewhat of a time capsule of early Germanic culture. The sagas paint the most complete picture of pre-Christian Germanic life and literature to be found anywhere. And it is from Icelandic manuscripts that we have learned almost everything we know about Norse mythology. Odin, Freya, Balder, Sigurd the Dragon Slayer, all of those guys. 
The stories told in these manuscripts were first sung or chanted aloud by traveling poets called skalds, who celebrated the successes of kings and noblemen, and told tales of gods and supernatural figures. Although there is no musical notation surviving from the performances of these songs, in part because of Iceland's cultural isolation, metrical and stylistic traditions of Icelandic music have in many cases been passed down through performance since the Viking Age and therefore present one of the most complete pictures of any Scandinavian folk music tradition. Very little of what we consider classical music, with large vocal ranges and elaborate instrumentation, was heard in Iceland until the 19th century. This next song is an example of the folk song genre called Thula, which is a rather free-form sort of poem, often with nursery rhyme-like elements. This is a nafna Thula, that is, a name Thula, and the song is basically that, a list of names, which has an interesting, lulling, incantatory effect when you listen to it. The tradition of singing a list of names is an ancient one, similar to the list of ships you might see in ancient Roman literature like the Iliad. It served to keep a record in the absence of the written word, and you have to agree, it's surprisingly lovely. This is Nafnathula by Solveig Indri the daughter. Bárður Björgulsson, Björgulver Hringsson, Hringur Hreiðarsson, Hreiðar Garðsson. Garður Gunnarsson, Gunnar Refsson, Refur Ráðfinnsson, Ráðfinnur Kolsson. Kolur Kjörvaldsson, Kjörvaldur Bjórsson, Bjór Brettingsson, Brettingur Hakason. Haki Óðinsson, Óðin kongur allra tröllar faðir. Upperunnin dagur, bæði ljós og fagur. Úti stendur tík mín í túni, kynti ég honum trampa jóni, þar trú ég hann púni. Gott er að ríða sandana mjúka, það gerir ekki hestana sjúka. Látum yfir steinana strjúka, það gerir á bæjunum rjúka. Konur bera mat á borð, breyða niður dúka. Við skulum ekki skýrinu öllu úr skaga fyrði ljúka. Kondu út kjúka. The first religious tradition of Iceland has also had a surprising resilience in the face of foreign influence. Although Christianity is still the primary religion in Iceland, a growing number of Icelanders practice Ásatrú, which is the polytheistic tradition based on Norse mythology. Though it was basically unpracticed for centuries, a revival, which began in the 70s, has grown exponentially in recent years, so that the religion is nationally recognized and has an official membership of around 3,000 Icelanders today. The next track is the work of two very interesting men, Steindor Andersen and Hilmar Orn Hilmarsson. Hilmar is an Alshiragodi, a chief priest of Ausatru in Iceland, and Steindor Andersen is the president of the Kvaithamannaflaget Eden, the Society for the Preservation of the Kvaitha Poetic Style in the tradition of Rimar, which is an epic poetic form drawing from both the medieval traditions of skaldic and Eddic poetry, that is, the stories of gods and men. These poems are now preserved in manuscripts, but were once a living tradition, and the only source of literature and entertainment in Iceland for centuries. I will return to Rimer poetry shortly. For now, this is Steindar Andersen and Hilmar Orn Hilmarsson with Halstith Nalgast, Autumn Approaches. Sólin
sem grætur stjörnur tindra geislar guðs gegnum vetrar nætur vetrar nóttin varla mun og saka fyrst að ljósin ofana yfir mönnum
before the modern world came to Iceland, before radio, before internet, and even before books, the most popular form of entertainment was called Bremer. I spoke to Bauer Grimm's daughter, the chairperson for the Eden Society of Kvaidamen, that is, Bremer poets, and her partner Chris Foster from their home in Reykjavik this week. I asked them about the history of Bremer and folk culture in Iceland, and why they are so dedicated to keeping this particular tradition alive. Yeah, I'm Bára Grimsdóttir. I am a um, musician, um, composer, and uh, singer, conductor, and uh, yeah, and I'm a uh, chair of Kvaidamannafjala Iðun, which is the society of... Kvaidamenn. Uh, um, Kvaidamenn. <laughs> yeah, I'm Chris Foster, and uh, I'm a folk musician from England, but living in Iceland for the last 12 years and I'm Bauer's partner in life and music. How would you describe Rimer chanting to somebody who has never heard it? Well, Rimer is essentially it's a long epic ballad form. Rimer is uh, quite special in a number of respects because to start off it's a tradition which carried on over many hundreds of years. Um, it started really kind of dying out towards in the second half of the 19th century as a living art form where people were continuing to create new work. first recordings or the first rec historical records of it go back some six or seven hundred years before that and also the sheer length of these pieces I mean they might run to in excess of a thousand stanzas the music and the words can be quite separate so you can choose from a bank of tunes which tune you'd like to use to sing a particular Rima, because any Rima written in a particular poetic form will fit with any tune that fits that pattern. You see what I mean? Also, the technique, vocal technique, is uh, many of these tunes are have a narrow range. Yeah, they don't spread over many notes. So you you might get a tune where the highest and the lowest notes are only four notes apart. But I I think it's because basically if you are performing for a long time, like for maybe over an hour, it's easier for the voice to to sing with a small range. It's more, if you are singing like one hour with it constantly over an octave or something, it can be more tiring. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes I perform Rimer like 30, over 30 verses. Then I choose to have a tune which is a kind of goes fast and with a few tones. I think another part of it as well is that it's very much a text-driven form. It's about delivering the story. And so if you start getting into all kinds of great big melodic curlicues and what have you, it sort of takes away from just driving the narrative forward. Yeah, I've noticed there's a real movement away from storytelling and popular music in general lately. And I'm wondering if you find people have the attention span to enjoy rumor these days. I mean, I do. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I think the, 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 the kind of simple and straightforward answer to that is that very few people get the opportunity to experience Rima. End of. I mean, it's not something that people are doing all over the place in this country. I mean, we've been involved in a couple of performances over the last two years of fairly extensive Rima pieces. And as a concession to modern attention spans, they've been edited down. So we're looking at performances with maybe 300 plus stanzas edited down from circa 1000 and the performance time then would be like 90 minutes or like the length of a movie basically 
it's a strange experience because the other thing is it's unaccompanied and solo. These are given in performances that are attended by maybe 40 or 50 people and we've done two twice over the last year and a half. That's kind of interesting. I, I'd assumed that it would be more high profile with the rise in tourism lately. The thing is that there's sort of like two levels. So what we're doing is pretty nerdy and, 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 kind, and kind of hardcore in a way, in a very soft way. But then there's the kind of what you might term populist kind of cultural stuff, which is all to do with Vikings and puffins. And so the tourism industry seems to be heavily focused on the kind of that side of things rather than what I would think of as being like quality cultural stuff. Could you describe the environment for a traditional performance of Reimer from the late Middle Ages? What would that look like? They were basically singing it in, a, in the farms, in the living room. And uh, in the evenings, people gathered together and did works like knitting and sewing and things like that. You know, all kinds of work with the wool. And uh, it was always an entertainer, either telling story or singing dreamer. Sometimes people like traveled from farm to farm and uh, didn't have exactly any home, but lived like this, you know, traveling and staying in a farms for a few days and singing Grimmer. And uh, the farms, they were not big. They, they were basically built of torf. We call it torf houses. And I think that's actually quite important about the form as well. I mean, it wasn't something that was performed to a seated audience of even 50 people. It was something that was done in a living room with maybe 20, maybe including, you know, kids and grannies and everybody who were all actually doing something else as well as listening. It was like having the radio on while you do whatever. Yeah, it was like having the radio on, basically. So what's the story behind the Eden Society? What does Eden do? Eden was, uh, it was formed in 1929 and has been, like, active ever since. People meet up, like, a few times in the year, regularly. And uh, on the meetings, we always have like a, a people singing like the Kreda. And also, people are also making poems. Mm. And actually, in the rules of even, we are supposed to collect. And people did that, they collected these tunes, because they have been kind of, they're all around the countries. And people who have been move, moving from the countryside to Reykjavik, they have been teaching the other members tunes from their areas and even have been recorded uh, altogether 500 tunes but it's also in the rules of Eden that uh, we we have to kind of keep this tradition of writing this kind of poetry and people do that in every meetings <laughs> The people who formed Ilan in 1929 were people who were moving into Reykjavik from all over the place. 
out in the countryside because that's when Reykjavik started to really take off as an urban centre. So people were coming here for jobs and so on. And they realised that they were kind of losing in a way or they were at risk of losing their old ways of entertaining themselves. And so they said, well, we're going to do something about it. And in fact, they were an amazing bunch of people. A lot of them were connected with the labour movement. And their first big project, which I think is absolutely amazing, which was just a few years after they were founded in the mid-1930s, they decided they needed to record these tunes. So they actually got together the money to record 200 tunes. Is there any part of Icelandic culture that you wish people abroad knew more about? I would like them to know more about the folk music. Yeah, I mean, okay, people, some people know about the literature, the sagas. I think that's a... But that's also a bit nerdy also. The, the way I discovered this stuff was because I was programming a festival in the UK and I'd never heard any Icelandic folk music and I'd been involved in folk music for many years and performed in festivals all over Europe and the UK and so on and I thought well you know we should really try and get something and it proved to be quite difficult because there weren't any, there aren't a huge number of people doing anything with this stuff and then when I heard it I thought why isn't this really well known it's amazing stuff and then as I kind of got more into it I realized just how incredible and special, particularly the older traditions, the, the song traditions going back beyond the 19th century. There were great riches there uh, that you know were accessible if you chose to look, but people weren't choosing to look. And there's a whole singing, other singing tradition called Tvisang here, which is songs where people, for two voices, for people singing in parallel fifths. And there's nothing that I've come across anywhere else in the world that's like it. And it evolved here and it deserves to be heard and people need to do it because it's great fun. I have noticed a growth in interest in Scandinavian folk culture recently. How does that look from where you're sitting? I think there's a growing kind of networking of people who've been kind of beavering away in their little corner and making more contact between each other and also making more specific efforts to kind of reach out to a wider public. And that's happening more now and I think it's a very positive development. Maybe it's ironic but it seems like developments in technology have been good for folk culture in general. Yeah, the media that we've got at our disposal now makes it possible for small little niche groups of people interested in particular things to actually take on a life, whereas in the past they would have just been that weird person around the corner who wasn't in touch with anybody. Now you can be the weird person in the world who's in touch with another 25, and then you feel less alone, you know?
Barbara Grimm's daughter and Chris Foster in their band Funi playing the song Give Us a Good Year. In that song you hear the traditional Icelandic instrument, the langspiel. This is a sort of drone zither with only one melody string and four drone strings, which makes it rather easy to learn. It looks a bit like a long narrow box that's wider at one end with a couple of strings on top. Barrow Grimm's daughter and Chris Foster include this instrument in their repertoire, and very few other people do. It fell out of favor in the 19th century, and there's only one book remaining on how to play it. The next song you'll hear is a traditional song about the raven describing the hunger and discomfort that the bird experiences. This is Thriu au Thali Krumavizer. Now it's time for the Fair Folk Almanac, a calendar of forgotten holidays to help you get your feast on. On the 13th to 15th of January, the annual Straw Bear Festival of Whittlesea takes place in Cambridgeshire, England. At this festival, a man dresses up in a suit of straw, sometimes resembling a bear, and sometimes resembling just straw. He parades through the streets accompanied by Morris dancers, and traditionally would go from house to house and dance in exchange for money or beer. Similar customs exist all over Europe, especially in Germany, the Czech Republic, and Poland, though the figure appears at different times in these other locations. Folklorists have advanced various theories about the origins of this figure. Some connect the straw bear to the widespread ancient European belief in a shared ancestry with bears. Therefore, a visit from a bear always brings good luck. Others have compared the straw bear to the mysterious wild man figure who shows up in countless traditions, covered in foliage and representing unbridled fertility, and curiously in medieval Germany, mining. Speaking of fertility, January 20th is St. Agnes Day. 
Agnes was the patron saint of virgins, and in English folk tradition, she was memorialized in a Keats poem of the same name. It was believed that if young women went to bed without eating, or after eating one specific very salty cake, and refrained from looking left or right, but stared only upwards toward heaven before going to sleep, they would dream of their future husband. This next song by Guzerin Johanna Olaf's daughter, Mother mein i kvi kvi, or My Mother in the Fold Fold, is an old song that tells the story of a young woman who becomes pregnant. She can't support the child, so she puts it outside in the hills to die of exposure. One day later, she's invited to a dance, but because of her poverty, she can't afford a dress to wear. So she stays home to milk the ewes in the sheepfold and complains aloud about her inability to buy a dress. No sooner has she spoken when she hears a voice singing the following words. Mother mine in the fold, fold, you need not be so sad, sad. You can wear my cast-off rags so you can dance and dance. And she recognizes the voice of her lost child. song, a story, an old Icelandic story, is told of Olafur Liliros. Olafur is riding along a cliff when he spies an elf dwelling there, marked by a burning red flame. An elf woman comes out, and at this point the song makes sure to let us know that she's not a Christian, because some Icelandic elves are. She welcomes him, and in the long-standing tradition of elves, asks him to come to the cliffs and live with the elves there. He says, no, I'd rather remain a Christian, thank you. In anger, she goes to a chest where she keeps a sword. She asks him to give her a kiss goodbye, and when he bends down from his horse, she stabs him in the side. He manages to escape further violence, but dies of blood loss on the way home. This is Olafur Liliros by O Barna. Olafur Tar Þar kom út en önnur, hinn þriðja og loksinn fjórða. Villir hann, stillir hann, hún tók svo til orða. Þar rauður lögin brann, blíðan lagði bílinn undan björgunum, blíðan lagði bílinn undan björgunum fram. Velkomin Úlafur Líljurús, villir hann, stillir hann. Gakki Björg og bú með oss Þar rauður lögin brann Ei vil ég með álfum búa 
Vittler han, stittler han Helder vil jeg og Krist min troa Da røyder løgjen brann Blir han verd, vi blir i nundan bjørgården Blir han verd, vi blir i nundan bjørgården fram Saksen øvn stak i sivu Vittler han, stittler han Ólafur nokkur svíður Da røyder løgjen brann Eilen er mali til stund Vittler han, stittler han Ólafur Den der minu kvar i kross Vittler han, stittler han Sankte Maria sje med oss Da røyder løgjen brann Blir han verd, vi blir i nundan bjørgården Blir han verd, vi blir i nundan bjørgården That was Stotham Tvo Ituni, played on the Longspiel and sung by Ryan Coons. Next, by Fedrana Freigs, That Maildi Mine Mother, a very nice old song about running away with the Vikings.
that's almost it for this episode. I'll leave you with another recording from Bauer Grimm's daughter of a poem from Theodora Thoritsen, who is known for her poetry, but who also had 13 children. This poem bemoans the labors of a mother of 13 children. The lyrics go, My work in a world of hot and cold days was to clean and comb kids and to toil away darning. I long to play freely like a lamb in a green meadow, but those who have holes to darn are not shown any mercy. I longed to read the flowers on long, bright, sunny days, but necessity ordered in a thunderous voice, you should be darning. The world had a heavy doom to hang upon my hook. Of qualities I was void, and for darning I was born. Should death come with his knife and shorten my days, I think it will be my fate to darn away in hell. This is Bauer Grimm's daughter with Mit var starvet. Mit var starve hier i heim, heit og kalda daga, að skeina krakka og kemba þeim, og keppast við að staga. Ég þráð að leika lausu við, sem lampum grænan haga, En þeim er ekki gefin grið sem göttin eiga staga. Langaði mig að lesa blóm um langa og bjarta daga, en þörfin hvað með þrumur óm. Thank you so much for listening to Fair Folk. If you like the show, review it on iTunes and listen again for more in my Scandinavian series. Have a great day.